0: Hey guys, and welcome to our uh, live stream about uh, Christian YouTubers versus uh, atheist YouTubers. That's that's the idea behind the live stream. It's just we're we're looking at the balance and the difference between um, the the YouTube space, the representation of Christians and atheists. And the thing that kind of brought this up is that me and two other Christian YouTubers who are with me today, Cameron Bertuzzi, why don't you say hi, Cam? Hi. Yeah, and then John McRae, he can say hi or yo. Hi yo there you go (laughs) i think john would probably say yo usually
1: (laughs) yo yo uh, what do you mean (laughs) mean?
0: (laughs) (laughs) anyways these guys they have uh really interesting uh youtube channels where they do a lot of thoughtful and interesting and funny content uh for for that dialogue that intersection between believers and non-believers trying to draw people towards the christian faith with reason and thoughtfulness and stuff like that so we've partnered together to give um answers to atheist objections to Christianity presented by a particular atheist, a guy named Hemet Mehta. So we're in the middle right now of releasing 20 videos that are answering all these objections. There's a playlist in the description of those videos. I think we've got nine of them out so far right now. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And we got like 11 more that are coming out one a day for the next 11 days. Then you'll have all 20 in that playlist. And they each answer one of the objections to God's existence. And we're doing this live stream as part of partnering our channels for a couple of reasons. One, I want you guys who subscribe to my channel. I want you to be aware of these other Christian YouTubers because I think they have valuable content and you might be interested in their content. We'll talk more about that in a bit. Um, But also I wanted to make this an opportunity where Christians, three different Christian YouTubers who have kind of different angles of of our ministries, we gather together and we just talk about that intersection of Christianity versus atheism. And we discuss it openly. And then towards the end, we're going to get into probably the last half of this will be Q&A, live Q&A with the live chat answering atheists and skeptics' questions or challenges to us right now in this stream. And there's a small chance, it's minute, I admit it, that him at Meta, the actual atheist, might join us today. He didn't say he would, but um, another atheist, the godless engineer, said he was going to contact him and and see if if he might be willing to do that. And we're open to bringing him on. So I don't think I even told John and Cameron about that. That just happened in the live chat. So It's cool though. But it'd be great to have him come on. We would give him ample time to share and all that. So. Um, we'll see what happens. Okay. Um, our focus today is going to be responding to like atheist rhetoric and atheist reasoning. Those are kind of two different things, but they're closely connected. But first, I just want to uh, give you guys a chance to introduce yourselves. I feel like I've talked a lot. Um, so uh, John, would you just tell everybody who you are?
2: Yeah, what's up, everybody? My name is John McRae. Um, I have a YouTube channel called What Do You Meme? And um, if you haven't heard of it, Um, I always say, what do you mean at the end of the video? So if you ever see a black dude that obnoxiously says, what do you mean all the time? It's probably me. So, um, other than that, um, yeah, I don't think there's too much more that's that interesting about me. I just, um, love God, love people and want to serve God and serve people.
0: Awesome. And then Kara, would you just share a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah. So I'm actually a photographer and I got my interest in apologetics through my brother. He became an atheist. And so that sent me on a journey to like figure out whether or not Christianity could be rational. And so after a while, I started to read some books and read apologists, philosophers and stuff. And so eventually I started a blog called Capturing Christianity, where I was attempting to just like start to practice writing and stuff. But then eventually it turned into sort of what it is today, where I interview professional philosophers. I host debates between Christians and non-Christians on our YouTube channel. There's a whole section of live debates that we've done. And and they're not really debates, actually. I I wouldn't call them debates. They're more informal, like live discussions. But some of our interviews, you can see those as well. And then this series that we're starting to do with Mike and John is actually like the first type of content we've produced where it's like sort of original to me in a a sense because I still reach out to other people for help writing it and and all that stuff. But yeah, so this is like the first time where I'm putting out this type of content where it's like a short snippet video of – a response to some kind of like atheist objection. So this is the first time we're putting out this kind of content, but based on the response, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit, Mike, is the response has been amazing. You know, it's been, I think it's been helpful for people, but it's just been, uh, it's been really cool to see. So I think that all that to say that I think I'm going to put a, a lot more time and effort into our YouTube channel where we already have a podcast and a website that's completely fully functional. We're also really, really active on social media like Facebook, we have almost 10,000 likes on Facebook. So yeah. Oh, well that's, I, I guess that's the end of, of, uh, me and capturing Christianity and, and what we're doing. So or the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) The beginning. Um,
0: so my, my hope is honestly, we, and I'll say this at the front. Um, the three of us, we agree. I I think we all agree on the essentials of Christianity, of course, and the, the, the centrality of Christ and both salvation and in the, you know, reality. But, um, but we don't agree on every little detail and every little thing. And we're partnering together knowing that. And that's something that we've accepted with, about each other. And that's something that I think that if Christians are going to partner together on the YouTube space, we, we can't say everyone has to have every single doctrine the same as me in order for us to have fellowship, <coughs> for us to connect and, and work together. So this, is, this has been kind of fun to do, um, to, uh, to, to say you know major on the majors and then press forward from there. So I like that um so i'm going to ask you guys this question now the question is going to be this and i ask uh, for uh, john and Cameron both to share what do you think are as a christian who who believes that there's evidence pointing towards god and christianity what do you think are some of the best arguments for christianity being true in your opinion what do you find to be very compelling
1: i mean i can i can start at least on the theistic side of things so i think that the argument from contingency is the best argument for God's existence. Like before we get all the way to Christianity, I actually have a really good analogy of if you're thinking about Christianity as like a mansion and you're trying to get up to like the top level of the mansion, that's like full-blown Christianity. You got to go to the first level first, which is going to be something like theism, where you're just believing that there's this being out there, this, this God, this creator being who is the creator and designer of the universe, all that good stuff. And then, if you want to go to full fledged Christianity, you've got to go up to the next level. And so, if we want to get people from off the lawn, so to speak, into the mansion, they've got to go through that first step first. And so, that's what I'm talking about here with this argument from contingency, which I, I mean, I can briefly explain what that is.
0: Yeah. Give us, give us like a real, like, snippet outline of the argument from contingency. And just so the viewers know, Cameron's focus, a lot of his stuff is philosophically inclined, and it's not just like Cracker Jack box philosophy, it, it, he, they often go very deep into this stuff and you will you will find it very educational. Sometimes you might have to watch one of their videos two or three times to pull it all in. But I think that that's part of the value that, um, that he's bringing. So why don't you go ahead and share with us the argument from contingency?
1: Yeah, so I, I think that, well, I'll say this real quick. So I did a four part series with probably the most foremost expert on this argument. His name is Dr. Josh Rasmussen. And I did a four-part series. It's on our podcast. You can search for it. It's on SoundCloud, iTunes, all that good stuff. So we did a four-part series on this argument. If you want like a, a in-depth explanation of it, like go there and check it out there. But the idea is basically that there has to be some kind of necessary being that exists. And that's because everything, If we'll, if we look at it like this, so everything that we experience, this cup that I have here, this is a contingent thing. It could have failed to exist. It could have been not here at all, I could smash it, it could go out of existence. And so with contingent things, the the funny thing about them is that they all have an explanation for why they exist. There's some kind of explanation why this cup exists, why my phone exists, it didn't have to exist. And so what's interesting about this is that when we take the collection of like all the contingent things together and say, well, if there's a collection for all of these things, then there's gotta be a collection for the whole group of things but the only kind of explanation that could explain all contingent things is a non-contingent thing. And in other words, a necessary thing. And so that's like, that's stage one of the argument is to get to a necessary being, a being that has to exist, that exists of necessity of its own nature. And then from there, you can start to like analyze what this type of like where it's a real abstract, it sounds real abstract, this is a necessary thing. Well, what is that? And that's more like stage two of the argument where you're saying, well, this necessary being has to be God. And there's a few arguments there, but I'm, I'm just going to leave it there. And if you want to look further into it, then check out the podcast. But I, I don't want to cut off jo- John here, but I know that there's some, well, you'll, you'll probably talk about the argument from the resurrection. So I, I can leave it there or I could talk about it too, whatever you want to do, <clears> Mike.
0: I think, well, that, that one argument's interesting, and just, I like <clears throat> to point out to people that philosophy, um, rightly done, points people to God, and points people ultimately to Christ. And it that's a bold statement to be made, but I, the more I've learned about it, the stronger I feel that that's true, and it's very encouraging to me. Now, sometimes people get a hold of some philosophical ideas, <clears throat> and they're just ideas that other Christians or other people are not familiar with. And so then... It's not that people understand these arguments that people are making against God; it's that they don't understand them, and that's why they're intimidating. But when you dig into them deeply, you find that the philosophical weight is all pushing towards theism, uh, as opposed to towards, say, atheism. And that's something that I I think is pretty profound. But um, I just,
1: Mike, I just wanted to mention real quick that philosophy, like if you look at the etymology or like the the breakdown of the word, like what it means, it just means the love of wisdom. So we don't have to be scared of it. Mm
0: -hmm. good stuff man that's it (laughs) cool uh john how about you what's uh, an an example of an argument that you think you find persuasive that shows that christianity is true or something like that
2: yeah uh so um i i have a philosophy background too that's how i kind of got um kind of my foundations i think philosophy is important to kind of help Um, I'm giving kind of a lot of distinction so that way you can think through stuff a little easier. And that's what's really good about philosophy, in my opinion. Um, It really helps you to think through stuff. And then when you're committing logical fallacies, all that kind of stuff, too. So, Um, But as for arguments that I find personally persuasive, um, a lot of origin arguments, so um, like the uh, contingency argument, the Kalam. And I actually did a video called why God has to exist. And it, um, I took a lot of ideas kind of from the contingency argument and the Kalam, and also, um, some of JP Moreland's arguments when it um, comes to the argument from consciousness. Um, and I kind of, at least I, I explained the video in the way where it makes sense in my head. And that's typically what I'll do in videos. Like if it makes sense in my head, um, that's typically how I'll try to explain it, you know? So, um, so yeah so um anyways um a lot of the origin arguments so yeah like consciousness the argument from consciousness i find persuasive um because you have these two different um, i hate using philosophical words because I, I don't want to leave people behind but you have two different ontological um, substances and so you have to explain how one could come from the other but they're completely different ontologically and so um you couldn't get um like b from a because um they'd be ontologically distinct, but. Anyways, um, so a lot of those kind of origin arguments I find the most persuasive, and of course I find the resurrection the most persuasive too. Um, um, I think that e- even the consistency of the Bible and also the, um, <clears throat> I want to say the authenticity, um, um, I also find psychologically more persuasive um, too is the, I the, um, and it actually also works in favor with the historical aspects, but I find it psychologically persuasive when you just read like all the embarrassing stuff that they put in there and all of the, um, the psychological, um, things that like if they were making the story up like who would invent something like that like the trinity too like who would invent like the trinity if you're making up a religion right you know what i mean and and um you know you want to provide people worldly things if you're going to make it up but anyway so those are that's kind of how i think and how my brain processes at least so
0: yeah i think that those um i think the arguments that cameron mentioned about the arguments of the from to believe in god from the necessity of god's existence are kind of like an untapped well for a lot of people and I'm excited to like learn that more myself and be able to share those things in the future. And then I, it sounds like when you say consciousness, you're referring to the idea that like, m- if, if, if it was purely naturalism, naturalism and materialism wouldn't give rise to us having consciousness and uh, being persons who are self-aware, uh, is, that, yeah. is that kind of along those lines?
2: Yeah, basically um, <laughs> it's the fact that like, um, so say for example, like a uh, alien came down here, right and dissected us tonight, right? Or whatever. He could see how every single thing works in my body. Um, He could see uh, whenever I'm in pain, I have um, the, um, the T fibers firing and all this, right? He can see all of these things, but there's still a level that he can't understand. He can't understand what it's like for me to feel sad or uh, what it's like for me to be human. Um, So consciousness is um, what they call irreducible, um, because you can't get down to it from just matter. And so this is what they call the hard problem of consciousness a lot too. And so you're like, well, how do you explain this? Because you have two different things. So for example, um, um, when do these immaterial aspects, these things that like, because you can't see my thought physically like yeah you could see the neurons and stuff like that but you can't see what i see when i'm thinking of the fabric of the cosmos right you can't see that and so um we're like well if these things aren't the same thing because it can't be extended into time and space if it's not the same thing as the physical stuff in my body then there's a non-physical part of my body and so if that's the case then where does that non-physical part come in and so this is where people are trying to go around because if you have Um, these things that are, they don't, they're not the same substance. So you can't, it's not, it's like putting a whole bunch of pieces of wood together and then getting something that's like, you know, that's, um, um, mind or like, you know what I mean? Something completely other.
0: It's like you have a bunch of wood and you end up with something that's not actually wood at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even coming from wood. Any of the same stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's right. How does your soul come from your, come from the chemistry of your body? That's right. Yeah. 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 And then so because of that then you're
2: just saying well when does this immaterial part come in does it come in at the beginning of of all of reality or does it come in later in reality and both times you have a problem with naturalism but i won't go too deep into it now
0: <clears throat> yeah now would you guys say that there's a large number of different evidential cases you can make for christianity oh yeah yeah i think that's to me personally too it's i think that
2: christianity has the most explanatory power of the way that the world is Um, both um, with the origins of everything too, the way the world's stacked and also psychologically, like why we have some of these problems, you know, because everybody knows it's not right to, you know, kill, steal, you know, this is almost universal. It's like people always like pretty universally agree with this, but still we have people that are consistently doing wrong. And that means there's something that's fundamentally broken within us where we just cannot do the right thing, you know, and Christianity makes sense of that.
1: Yeah. So I would, I would agree that I think we have a bunch of different, kinds of evidence that we can look at that all sort of point in one direction. And uh, I would say that if you, because <clears throat> we, we've talked sort of generally about God's existence, but if you want to get like serious about the evidence for Christianity in particular, there's a really awesome paper that's available for free by a philosopher, a Christian philosopher. His name is Tim McGrew. I, actually, he and his wife, Lydia McGrew, I think they co-wrote this paper. And it's actually, John, you have it right behind you in a book. The the Blackwell Companion to Natural Theology. Can you just pull it out and like show it to people real quick? Is that available online? Yeah, it's available online. It's yeah, no, it's not free. This is not free, but the but the paper in here is free. Mm-hmm. This book I think is like fifty bucks, but it has like yeah, have,
0: yeah, they're they're expensive.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it has like eleven I think arguments in that book like total. And What's the each, name of the paper? The paper is just called Miracles, I think. And if you search for it, you can find it really easily. Let me actually search for it real quick. Just miracles, Tim McGrew, and it'll probably be like. I found it, and I'm going
0: to put it in our live chat. There it is. Yeah
1: the 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 argument from miracles, a cumulative case for the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. Okay, so this is really sophisticated philosophy. Okay, I'm just letting you know. Like before you read this, like in the second paragraph, it starts talking. It's it uses terms that like. You unless you're yeah. familiar with some philosophy, you're you're gonna have a difficult time. I was gonna it. say so, it's
2: in it's in Bayes probability theory too. Like so, it's, it's yeah. So a, this is
1: this yeah. is like super sophisticated stuff, but yeah. I think it's important to share that like this is the level that if you want to go like mm. and look at the evidence for the resurrection, it's out there. You know, it's really just up to you, depending on like how much effort you want to put into understanding it, because it's not impossible. I mean, I'm a photographer, right? I'm not like. A philosopher myself i just have a real intense passion for this stuff and so eventually like if you just set your mind to it you can you can learn this stuff it's not it's not rocket science so and i this just is like a to sample
0: this is like a sample of the stuff Cameron does on his channel he's like he's like let's teach you some dictionary words <laughs> <laughs> like this is this is kind of the stuff he does and i think it's great i think there's a need for it um and then i think uh, uh it's good because like you said just even for people to be aware that there's such thoughtful argumentation for things like the resurrection of Christ that's that often skeptics they 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 don't stop laughing at it long enough to think about it in my opinion and so seeing a paper like that and being able to think it through and know that others have thought it through and that that there's compelling cases to be made and often the stuff that i do is is a simplified version of those things because i'm trying to it, make it more accessible to more people, that kind of thing. But it's it is there, yeah. Yeah. So, um, what about atheism? Let's talk about arguments for atheism and and any skeptics or or atheists that are in the um, non Christians, really, that are in the live chat right now. We're going to be taking your questions pretty soon here, so be thinking about your questions. I'll open up for those, um, and you can tell us who they're for, either for Cameron, for John, or for me, Mike, um, and we'll take those. But you know, Christianity has a, a, a kind of a long list of arguments that you can be that can be made to point towards the truthfulness not only of Christianity, not only of God's existence, but of the Bible in particular, and um, things like prophecy or undesigned coincidences and uh, uh, things like that. Now, what about atheism? Does, it, in your opinion, guys, do you think atheism has any compelling arguments?
1: Well, com- like, de- it depends on what you mean by compelling. compelling because I don't think that there's any argument for atheism that's going to compel me to believe in atheism. Otherwise I'd be an atheist. So I think that there are some interesting arguments for atheism. The problem of evil is probably the one that I would say is the one that I have put the most thought into. And I've seen like the, okay, so the problem of evil is basically the idea that all of this suffering and evil in the world, and there's some really awful, awful things like, these, this, all of these things are evidence against God's existence some way. Some people say that it's like God cannot exist and evil exist at the same time. Some people make that argument, but that's been dead in philosophy for a while. So people are now are saying that like all the suffering and evil in the world is evidence like sort of proves in one way that God doesn't exist. Not, not that they're incompatible, but like this is evidence against God's existence. And so I think that this is a really interesting argument to, to think about because part of the reason why it's so interesting is because it's so emotionally gripping. Like some of these examples that you come up with or that you think about, they just get you on like a real deep emotional level. And though these are some of the, like the most interesting arguments I think to think about. On the flip side, on the Christian side of things, there's the argument from morality that like there are these moral facts in the world, like it's wrong to torture children for fun. And then the idea is that like, well, why does this fact exist? What is it to, how can this moral fact be here? Why do we have an obligation to do this? And the, that argument, the argument for morality, is like one of the more interesting, I think, Christian arguments because it it grips you. It's like, yeah, that thing is like, that's terrible. You know, I would, I would never torture an infant for fun. That's ridiculous. You'd have to be a sociopath. And mm-hmm. so these arguments really grip you on like, I think, not just at a philosophical level where you're like thinking through these things and trying to think hard about these problems, but it also grips you like emotionally. I think that's why the the problem of evil is so interesting because like it can be stated sometimes so simply and rhetorically, and it can catch people off guard, especially the way that you like pose mm-hmm. questions. And that's yeah. why I always emphasize to people that with stuff like this, you have to like do your best to look beyond the emotional aspect and really get down to like the logical, like intellectual level and see, well, what is the argument? How is it laid out? What are the steps? How do those steps lead to the conclusion? What's the defense of those steps? And like, that's actually a big project to make mm-hmm. it to where your, your reasoning is actually valid. instead yeah, of there's something that you're like jumping to because it's an emotional response.
0: Yeah. The problem of evil. <clears throat> I, and maybe, maybe, um, I'm in a minority here, but I, while I feel the pain of evil and the anguish of the hard things that happen in life, I haven't ever personally found the argument against God from evil to be persuasive at all. Um, for, well, because if you did convince me there was no God, I would then not think that there was evil in the first place. And then that whole like awareness of the wrongness of the world that caused me to disbelieve in God, I would have to then discount as I'm not really, it's not really wrong in the first place. Like it seems like it somehow is counterintuitive. If I acknowledge the problem of evil, I lose I, I lose the ability to, um, to sort of hold together that atheistic worldview. Because to me, atheism leads to a, a type of nihilism. You know, like you said, there's no moral realism on that. So it just seems to me that it's like you said, very emotionally powerful. And I know that a lot of people debate these issues and stuff like that. But, um, but uh, to make, to make a yeah.
1: clarification, I, I am actually on the fence about the the moral argument. I think there's a, there's a better argument for morality, but I, so I wasn't trying to like endorse that. I was just saying that like these two arguments, I think what some of the more interesting arguments, because they can emotionally, like they have that type of emotional aspect to them. Like the problem of evil, when you start to talk about child cancer, you know, you start to have these, these emotions start to well up and. And it, the, those emotions can actually like block your logical reasoning faculties. Oh yeah. So, and I think the same is true for for like the moral argument. You know, I mean, because you you want to be as skeptical as you can about these arguments, like it, it, to the most reasonable level, right? You don't want to be like irrationally skeptical. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I just wanted to make that clarification. I'm not. I don't actually endorse the the standard like traditional moral argument. That's something that like separates me from other apologists. I yeah. think there's still something <laughs> interesting there from yeah. yeah. And I th- I think most apologists yeah. think that it's a it's a really good argument. I'm I'm just on the fence about it. I, I would say if I had to guess, I would say there's probably something there. I don't want to take any more time though.
0: Yeah. So John, <clears throat> why don't you weigh in on this and give us some thoughts about the uh arguments for atheism? Yeah.
2: So um <clears throat> kind of going off what you said too, I I kind of uh uh, just to be completely transparent, I, I lean more towards Mike's view, I think um a little bit more. Like um uh, to be honest with you, the way I kind of thought about it is like I, I always notice bad things happening. Like for example, I had um two friends um that within about maybe about six months of each other, um, they had two kids that died of crib death. Um, um if you know what that is too. Um so it's like um I think it's called SIDS too, where um the kid just dies, right? And um
1: how, and that, how old were they?
2: Um the kids were honestly don't remember because it's been so long now. Um, but they were, they were really young. They were younger than a year. You okay.
1: Know? Yeah. I was, I was going to say that like that, that's important for anyone who's watching and has kids. Like that is super important that you understand like how, you know, that, that thing can happen anytime. So you always want to take like all the precautions
2: for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, with that, um, uh, one of them, um, i realized they reacted to it in different ways too one of them actually let it draw them closer to god and one let it push them away from god and the one that let it draw them closer to god like they really leaned on god it was the they were a couple too i mean they were married um but they came together kind of and they really um sought god out more you know and they really um prayed a lot more together and talked about it a lot too and stuff together and it actually brought them a lot closer to god than they were before and then um my other friend he actually was like, you know, he got more turned off or he just like, no, I'm not going to, you know, worship a God that would let this happen. And so uh, what I kind of learned from that is that um, it's that people can experience something awful and then react to it in complete different ways. So the way I kind of look at evil and bad things happening, too, is. Um, uh
0: <clears throat> it looks like you cut out there for a minute, John. Um um, I said. Okay, hold up. The last thing you said was the way you look at evil and bad things happening is.
1: And he are cut you... out again. And he cut out again. What a cliffhanger! <laughs> it's a cliffhanger, man.
0: <laughs> um, that's too bad. I don't know. He, he said they're having a blizzard right now. Oh they're, yeah, that's like, he is like the North Pole.
1: Yeah, either so, that or Antarctica. I mean. Okay. Yeah.
2: Can you guys see me? Am I yeah. Now we, now we can see you again. Okay. Okay. Cool. So. The way i look at it personally is that um bad things can happen and a lot of times how we react to them kind of reveals to us what's already in our hearts a lot of the times too and so um sometimes like when bad things happen like that too it it still galvanizes us to to be able to make more decisions when it comes to to what we want to do with with christ too so that's just like a personal view that i have and that's i'm not saying that encompasses
0: that's a really unfortunate screen for oh, you. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's still cutting in and out. But <clears throat> let me let me add a few things while we're waiting on John's stuff to clear up. Um and one would be this is is um you know, yes, on a on a Christian worldview, the problem of evil is is part of the issue is that when we stop and look at this moment right now, like me at my worst moment and the hardest moment of my life, now I'll consider the problem of evil as though this moment represents the whole story when we know for sure that that's not the case it's not our Christian worldview it's not but we have this incredible hope about God wiping away every tear from our eyes about there being this sort of remaking of the heavens and the earth and we have this is part of our worldview this answers the problem in an intellectual way and eventually in eventually in an emotional way as well and I think this is like super important and when I only look at this life, like like there's nothing beyond the grave, like Ecclesiastes, or like there's nothing beyond the grave, as though I look at it like that, then I'm not going to be able to answer this issue. Um, it's, it's only with with the hope that we have in Christ that we can answer it. But it but it answers it intellectually and and emotionally if we can really absorb the truth of these things. I think uh, not that it's like easy, no. But uh, but yeah, John, I think you're back. Why don't you share what you, what you had? Okay, I, I'm not sure where I cut out. Yeah. So,
2: but did you guys catch my full? It's a little harder now. We missed something there, man. At the Don't worry. So um, just to kind of, um, I guess, to kind of restate what I said towards the end, um, if I remember it right. Um, I said um, it really a lot of times galvanizes us to make a, a decision about what we want to do with Christ, too. And it really exposes what's in our hearts to ourselves. And that's the thing, too, I've learned, too, um, throughout my walk with Christ is that, like, we're not— as good of people as we think. All of us think that, right? You know, and this sounds so offensive in today's culture where everybody positive thinking and that, that sort of thing too. But but the reality is that nobody's perfect and um, you're far worse than you think you are. But at the same time, Christ loves you so much more than you, you, than you could ever know, you know what I mean? Than you think as well. So um, anyways, um, I can't even remember how I ended off the last one. So sorry if you guys missed something important.
0: <laughs> it was good, whatever it was. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh i'm gonna ask you guys uh before we go to our q a stuff um just briefly um for each of you to share how how has the reaction been as we've been doing this 20 video series i've only have one video out i've done seven for the series but they're all coming out kind of like in the next several days um but your videos are out cam you have the most videos out john you have is it three i have three yeah three yeah and so um what has been the reaction so far from those who are not in our camp uh that have been commenting on your videos yeah. So for me, um, Oh, you can go Cameron.
1: Oh no. Yeah. I was gonna let you go.
2: Okay. Okay. Oh uh, yeah. So for me, um, um, I haven't seen too many, um, kind of critical comments. Um, the, the main things I kind of seen was either like, um, name calling, which just happens. That's just on the internet, you know, it doesn't matter what side you're on. You're going to get people just going to call you names. Um, and then the other one was people saying that, um, his conclusion, uh, wasn't what I wasn't. God doesn't exist. Um, so a couple people said that on a couple on actually, I think the first two videos, at least. And uh, with that, I mean, I think that it's probably my fault um, because um, I probably didn't make it clear in the videos that like um, we're responding to his video. That's called 20 um, arguments, 20 short arguments against the existence of God. So there's supposed to be arguments against the existence of God, which is why I was trying to show how the conclusion does not logically follow from what he states. And so, um, yeah, that could have been my fault, misunderstanding, but, um, basically those are honestly the main, the the only kind of things I've kind of really gotten to be honest. Um, yeah,
0: I read several that were like that. It was, it was, it it was just in all honesty. They didn't realize that when you played that little clip from him and they didn't realize the context of it. That he was saying these are arguments against God's existence. And that's the whole argument. This like three words sometimes or a little phrase. And so we were just trying to respond and often trying to respond to even a better argument than the one he gave to just give us something to talk about more. Yeah. Yeah. How
1: yeah, about the, you, the argument, the argument you you posted today, John, was the I mean, argument pediatric cancer was yeah. like the whole argument. Yeah. That was supposed to show that God doesn't exist. So yeah, it's like it, uh, what I what I wanted to do was actually point out at the beginning how what he actually gives or conclusions, they're not actually arguments. And so, I mean, in in one sense, they're not even conclusions because they don't lead to, therefore God doesn't exist. Well, anyways, the reaction that I've seen on my videos has, I I didn't really know what to expect, right? Because I haven't done these before. I haven't done like little short clips of responding to, to anything. I've just had the debates and we post interviews that we've done with other Christian philosophers, apologists. So I didn't really know what to expect, but I would say that we have a good bit of atheists that are commenting on the, on the post. I think most of the comments from atheists are, a lot of them are vitriolic. A lot of them are just like mocking, ridicule. But then there are some, there was one in particular that I thought was really, really interesting and really philosophically, like really interesting to think about and i could tell that this guy like either studies philosophy or is some kind of like philo- philosophy nerd but i had a really great time interacting with him i i didn't really have a whole lot of time because he he posted this whole wall of stuff and it was just really fun to to read through and and start to analyze i love to analyze objections to not only christianity but to my views so it that was fun but most of the objections were just like maybe they missed the point or they were trying to make some point that was addressed later on in the video. So I don't, I don't really know what else to say about that, but the, the response, I would say, I, I definitely have the most like skeptics commenting on on my videos so far. Yeah.
2: That's cause your arguments stink. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm, a, I'm an easy target. <laughs>
0: this is the debate we've been having in, on uh, on text messages. Is that because Cam's arguments are great or they're terrible? Or <laughs> no? Um, uh, yeah, so we're going to go to your guys' questions here. So you can start loading them into the chat and you can say whether it's for me, John, or Cameron, and we're giving um, all preference to questions from skeptics, non-Christians in particular. That's our preference. We'll take questions from anybody if we don't get them from skeptics. Then, I mean, this is your opportunity. And we will try to handle those things um, and especially challenges. Um, uh, So I'm going to hopefully have those coming in. You know, Facebook's been on the fritz today. And so we're using Facebook Messenger for me to get the questions from the people who are doing the mod, who are modding the, uh, the chat for me. So hopefully that works out. Um, I'll be, I'm waiting for those to come through. So, so yes, that should come through. We'll see. Um, But uh, what I want to, um, Uh, To say and one of the things that I I hope to do one of the things that triggered me getting on online I think for you guys, hopefully this is I think this is kind of what triggered you starting your channels as well Is there's a lot of talk that's um, Not good about about Christianity about theism and in many ways like a lot of atheists are sort of dominating the YouTube space and various different areas online and we're just looking to have thoughtful Intelligent responses to those things and that's part of the reason why I do my YouTube channel That's part of the reason I think why why these guys do theirs as well And I know we all kind of kind of different angles that we go uh, As well, but it that's kind of the idea is for some of you skeptics that might be listening. You don't realize that There are thoughtful Christian responses to questions that you feel There's no response to and we would like you to hear those responses and at least think it through Um, Because we're hoping we can make an intellectual difference that opens up a place for you to listen to the gospel in a new way. Um, That's the idea. Okay, so we got a bunch of questions Um, coming in here. Let's see, this is from Isaiah Armstrong. And uh, it says, can you guys talk about the definition of atheism? Um, Atheists call it a psychological state rather than a belief. So um, who'd like to uh, take that one? It's not for anyone in particular.
2: Yeah, so um, I, I would say that yeah, uh, that's why it's kind of funny. There's a lot of debate about that, but uh, basically kind of how it goes is the kind of classical definition was to affirm the proposition that God does not exist. That's what atheism is supposed to be. So it's supposed to be um, a, a statement that says God does not exist. Now, um, a lot of people um, didn't like that as much too, because they felt like they didn't have want to one, have to hold a burden of proof because they're saying, well, I'm not making any claims. I'm just um, um, responding to your claims. Um, And I'm not sure if that's the motivation for all of them, but I know that's for sure was a big motivation for a lot of them. Um, But with that, the way I kind of treat it now is like, I even did a video actually, (laughs) where, where I said, if you want to define atheism, as just a lack of belief. um, Then I said, like, then you can be literally as dumb as a box of sticks box of rocks and be an atheist because it doesn't require any thinking, right? Because I'd say, okay, you know, you, you could be brain dead and be an atheist, you know, and I was just kind of doing that to kind of you know, just like mess with them a little bit. So that way to kind of provoke them to want to take a stance to say God does not exist. Uh, but the way I kind of look at it more now is that like um, I really think in culture a lot of times people use a lot of words that might not mean what the word means. So you want to kind of get behind what they mean and then just respond to what they mean. So I don't care if they call it atheism, smatheism whatever, you know what I mean? As long as I can get clear on what it is that they mean, then I'm okay with responding to that. So that's my take on it.
1: Yeah. I, I, earlier on in my apologetics career, if you want to call it one, I did debate atheists on the term atheism, but I just found those to be really uninteresting. Like it's more interesting to talk about the arguments for and against, I think. And, And you can also just ask somebody like, instead of asking them, like, are you an atheist? You can just say, well, what do you believe about it? You know, do you think that there is a God? Do you think there's no God? Are you sort of like Either way, like where do you actually sit on it? And so I think that's a more productive way of, of moving forward is just forget about the definition of atheism. Just start talking about the arguments for and against. Yeah. <clears throat>
0: All right. I'm not going to I have a whole video on that, too, somewhere. But anyway, I want to move quickly through these. So I'll, I'll probably uh, I'll just ask us to try to have like just real quick answers and we'll see if we can get as many of these questions answered as possible because we have even more coming in and i see these guys i recognize these guys you got your own youtube channels and stuff and i want to give give you give uh, attention to your questions if we can so um Shi she says um question for anyone why does god not interact with us today like he did in bible times um uh, god talking to people appearing to people sending angels to the earth and performing miracles let me just answer this one really briefly and just say um i, I think he does i think that in bible times and now it was a very rare occurrence and that it wasn't standard, and it wasn't something most people expected to happen in their to them in their lifetime. It was considered a rare thing, a special thing when it happened, uh, in in those ways. Um, but most Christians will tell you that God's interacting with them in a very real, in a very real way in their lives, spiritually speaking. Uh, and not spiritually doesn't mean wispy, fake. <laughs> but uh, but I wouldn't expect um, the parting of the Red Sea to happen every generation. It happened once, you know. And even the Book of Acts is like it's years and years of stuff and it, it highlights certain miracles, but, uh, but I I think those things happen. They just aren't, uh, they're about as prevalent as they were in Bible times, except for around Jesus. Yeah.
2: Hey, real quick uh, on that too. I just want to say too, also too, establishing the Bible was important then too. Like now we have the Bible too. So I wouldn't expect in cultures that we have the Bible to see as much of that as well. So,
0: yeah, true, true. So, uh, the next one is from uh, Benjamin Benjamin Rush. It says, what do you make of the fact that there are a small number of positive arguments for atheism, i.e. so few atheist arguments aren't refutations or somehow parasitic on theism? I guess it's the idea there here that uh, most atheist arguments are really just saying, uh-uh, not what you said, as opposed to presenting a case for atheism. So um, I don't know, maybe one of you guys want to respond to that?
1: I I'd have to give that one more thought, John, do you have any, anything off the top of your head? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, so I, I would say, uh, when it comes to that, I think that's kind of the nature of it a lot. I think, um, <clears throat> when we do make a claim, um, you do have a little bit of a higher burden. Right. Um, but, um, I think that that's okay. Like I'm a skeptic like that too. So like all these kind of objections, even in the series that we went through, I understood those emotionally. So I, I get it. You know what I mean? Why it has that force. And so, um, yeah, and so so with that though, it's like if, if we have the burden, and, and then they're kind of saying no, on that's okay as long as there's they they do it in an honest way because it, it's easy to abuse that position too to just say no, on to everything, you know, just be like uh uh-uh, uh 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 uh, and then just sit back and play skeptic, and then you're really not just looking for answers for you personally, you're just looking to try to refute um, Christianity, and so it may, so in other words, I want to say as long as you play the game fair and you're uh, trying to be as honest as you can with yourself then i don't necessarily see a problem with it
0: um <clears throat> okay let's go to another question um I'm, I'm i'm gonna skip some of these because i'm looking specifically for the ones from skeptics and i appreciate your guys questions so it's just that's what today's uh, video is going to be about so um yeah, like questions about the divine council and stuff like that aren't going to be for today. We'll do that in a future, future time. Um, okay. Uh, robbery doodles asks, uh, I'm really enjoying this series. Are you guys doing this again? Please say yes. Um,
1: so, so yeah. we're, we're going to see how this goes. And I think that the response has already been pretty positive. So we may talk about something later on down the line, but we're like still in the thick of this. So I think that We'll see, maybe at the end of this series, we'll see, we'll reflect back and, and look at it and be like, okay, yeah, this worked, that didn't work. Maybe we could button this up. And then and then at that point, we could decide whether or not there's an opportunity. And we were even talking about like, <clears throat> if this does do well, then inviting other Christian YouTubers on and, and doing like a more, yeah, another collaborative series with just more people basically. So it's it, these. Are, I mean, these are all possibilities, but we're still like in the middle of this one. So I wouldn't say that we're on either side of this right now. We're just yeah. trying to get through this one.
0: It's definitely a possibility, but we don't have any solid plans. But we we enjoy working with each other, and it's been fruitful. I think so. We're looking to see kind of how does it do? How does this perform? How many people does it reach? Does it impact lives? Does it change people? You know, is it is it worth doing something like this again? Um, and how would what would be a smart way to do it? We put a lot of thought, or at least I tried to put a lot of thought into how we would format everything so that it would hopefully have good benefits. And I think it's been working well, but we'd love to get your guys feedback. If you like the videos, just like them and share them. And you know, that that would help us to be inspired <laughs> to do it again. Uh, okay, so we have a question here for Cameron. And it's it's um, from uh, Gargo Q. Uh, forgive me if I pronounce that wrong. Gargo, excuse me, the Q the question. Yeah, I know that. Uh, okay, so what <laughs> possible solutions are there to the gap problem for cosmological arguments?
1: Man, I could talk about that all day long.
0: you have 20 seconds. (laughs) Okay.
1: Okay. Um, So there's one right now that I think is really, really persuasive. And it's this idea that, so we're looking back, there's this necessary being or this necessary part of reality. And here's a question that we can ask. Like how much value does that thing have? Is it like, does it have some value? Does it have all value? And when you actually specify like, okay, say this thing is, I actually, I don't know, like a unit that you could put on it, but let's just say that it's limited in value in some way. Okay. The question then would still be like, well, what explains this limit? Cause limits more generally sort of cry out for explanation. There's a limit, like, okay, going back to an actual object here. So my smartphone has like only a certain amount of storage space. Right. And so there's an explanation for that property, that limitation that it has. And so we can do that basically with any limited property of that kind. This is getting philosophical here, but that's one way that we could close this gap is like, okay, so if this if this being is limited in some way in value, then there's got to be some explanation for that. But there can't be because we're we've already reached like the foundation. We're at the ground level. You can't go past it. And so we've reached sort of like a contradiction here. And so one way, one answer to this problem is to just say that this being is infinite in value. And another way of saying that, well, this this being is God. This has this is the supreme, like, classical conception of God, this perfect being. That's one route. There's like a thousand other routes. But this is actually this is an area that I think needs more attention. So I'll just I'll just add that. Yeah.
0: Cool. Something something good to think about. Um, okay. Um, this is for what do you mean? Uh, the question is from HistoryNet, and it's uh, who are your favorite atheist YouTubers and least favorite. I don't know how you answer that kind Ooh. of question. <laughs> yeah, 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 no kidding, right? Um,
2: <clears throat> I like, uh, it's weird. I, I, I kind of probably gaze off different things, but uh, one guy that I think I like that I think is pretty cool, Cameron actually had a discussion with him, is Cosmic Skeptic. Um, he seems like a guy that I actually feel like I could, would get along with and, and would like, um, you know, and um, so someone like him. Um, I watch a lot of atheist channels, um, but I'd say probably like one of my least favorite. Oh, my goodness.
0: Ooh, man. There's a, There's a. yeah. Only I, I if you want like, to share. How yeah, about yeah. you tell us this? How about you say what it is about yeah. atheist channels that make it your, make him your least favorite instead yeah, of yeah, naming one? Good.
2: Yeah. And, and before I forget, too, I, I just uh, watched a few videos of Steve um, McRae, I guess. I think mm-hmm. the guy from um, Non-Sequitur. And yeah. um, I like that he has a good philosophical foundation, so I thought he was pretty good. But my least favorite are the ones that are just kind of ranting and and it's not logical, it's just emotional. Um, that's just, you know, it's just kind of annoying because they sell people on emotions rather than logic, so.
0: Okay, so here's um, another one. Okay, well we just got more. Um, from Emily Rachel, Rachel Towler. Um, she says, say an atheist comes to the realization that a God exists. Creation is proof of existence. What makes your God the God? There are tons of creation stories. What what makes this one the one?
1: Yeah, so I, I would say that that would just go back to if you have an argument for your God, then that's one way that you could show that your religion is true. And so for Christianity in particular, you would just go back to the facts surrounding Jesus's resurrection and show that like, hey, well, there's actually a historical basis for a lot of this stuff. There's a historical basis for The crucifixion, the burial, the empty tomb, the appearances, the origin of the belief of the disciples, how they actually started to go out and proclaim that Jesus rose from the dead. That's an interesting thing to think about. What explains that? And so for Christianity, we actually have a really good response to that. We say, well, hey, there's actually an argument that you can give based on history and in sort of philosophy. Going back to that paper, like you can get as technical as you want with it. But there's really good reasons and evidence and we're in favor of Christianity in particular.
2: And, and I'd say if I, if I do understand our question, right. Um, I don't see the necessary link between a creation story and then saying that that's the God that does exist, um, because, um, that could be one of the things to take in consideration. If the, the creation story is consistent with um, history or, or whatever we know from other fields of science or whatever, that's one way to look at it. But um, I think understanding the creation story in this context on um, Testament reality, but you could have a bunch of different religions given the same kind of creation story. They could be right about that. And it wouldn't mean that that God is the true God. So I think you have to have uh, a bigger case to, to link those two together, which is what I want to say. You, you need more to pull it yeah. together.
0: And I would, I'll, I'll mention a couple things real quick too, though, um, very briefly. <laughs> One is that once you, if you're following these sort of arguments for God's existence, you you, you don't arrive to just a God like fill in the blank with any attributes you want. You, you arrive to a God that fits the God of Christianity or monotheism at least. Okay. So you have, you know, you, know, you have all powerful, you have eternal necessarily existent personal God. This is not Hinduism. This isn't Buddhism. This isn't uh, pantheism this is none of those things so those are ruled out by that definition of god so you only have a few contenders at that point point. and now we can compare you know these different truth claims of these different religions but i look at you know prophecy and you said the evidence for the resurrection and we you can also seek the lord you know there's a god out there why not seek him why not pray and, and ask him to reveal himself to you is he not personal so there's you know lots of different directions to go from there but um this is a, a question also from a skeptic. Um, this is actually from Skylar Fiction. Hey, Skylar, um, I, I saw your question, there, so I decided to, to highlight it so we could ask it. It says, if sin is that which goes against God's nature, why would God create a world where things could exist that go against his very being or nature?
1: I mean, who, who wants to go first on that?
2: I, I could just say something real quick. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if there could be overriding deficiencies. So like if God uh, wants to give us free will, the ability to accept or reject them, I I don't see how that's a problem. So um, ultimately, sin in some way is going to be a rejection of God. Right. Um, to some degree. So if that's the case, if God, that's the loving thing to do. So he allows them to reject them. So I, I don't necessarily
0: see the problem with it personally. So. So what we're saying is that um, it, it God. Did, I think there's two things to consider. One is that God, the, allo- the allowing of free will, is is the is the allowing of the existence of creatures that can have free will, which is a pretty nice thing to have, <laughs> and uh, and allowing us to make choices to to do one thing or the other. But then there's an accountability to God. God, you know, in Christian teaching, God is going to reconcile all things to His holiness at some point, and so that's a temporary situation of this sort of. Um, disconnection between God's holiness and the, and the created order. And then eventually it's all, it's all secured and fixed. So this is a, you know, a a good end being brought, what we're being brought to at the end. But yeah, uh, Cam.
1: Yeah. So any theodicy that you want to come up with and a theodicy is, uh, is like a reason that God has for allowing kind of bad stuff, like a moral sin would be something that's bad that happens. And so a theodicy is a reason that God has for allowing something like that. So any theodicy that you can think of would sort of take care of this. And free will is what you talked about. I think both of you mentioned that. But the one that I like a lot is called soul building. And that's basically that there's sin in the world and bad stuff happens so that our characters can be built. We can exemplify these sorts of like, so courage and forgiveness. These are things that we can't really have unless there's sin in the world, unless there's bad stuff that happens. And these are great goods that we're talking about here. Forgiveness is one of the most beautiful things that you can not only do for somebody, but you can experience. And like that actual experience of being able to forgive somebody is just a great good. And you can't have these goods without having the sort of sin in the world. And I mean, there's this is just like one aspect of it, because Christians have offered a lot of different theodicies, reasons that God would have for allowing the evil and suffering and, and sin in the world, basically. And so that that would be the basic response is just to give like a a theodicy, pick pick your favorite one, and and that's the answer.
0: Yeah, and I, I just want to add, you know, it, let's suppose that our answer to Skylar's question was, I have no idea why God would create a world where things could exist that go against His nature of goodness. Um, would that be an argument against Christianity in some sense? No, I don't think so. Yeah, and, and it I kind of just have affect- a question I don't know how to answer. Yeah. That's right.
1: Yeah. So I like to emphasize that when we're, again, when we're thinking about like arguments and philosophy and stuff, we want to like lay out the argument in its full form and questions. I I like to say this a lot. Questions are not arguments. Like you can ask somebody a question about something. If they don't know the answer, that's not an argument for anything. If for an argument to lead to a conclusion, a valid conclusion, you've got to like lay out the steps and then defend the premises. And so sometimes and this actually happens in advertising a lot. Like advertisers will try to like bypass your rational faculties and like try to get you to to motivate and, and do stuff. Just like it just completely bypasses your mind. And I think a lot of times when people ask questions, that's sort of what happens: is you don't you you forget to stop and really think. Like, okay, well, what what is the argument here? Like, how does this actually lead to Christianity being false? Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's that's a good point to make there, Mike. Is mm-hmm. that we've got to like slow down and really think about. Like what is, what actually follows from this? Really all that follows what is follows? That we don't know, like we, we don't know the answer, but that doesn't mean mm-hmm. that God doesn't exist. I mean, yeah. there's, there's plenty of reason to think that, well, I mean, the, the humble thing to, to, to do would be to say, well, I, I am not God, right? I don't have all the, I don't have all the knowledge there is. I don't know everything. And it's unsurprising that I would have gaps, you know, in, in, What I know, and so sometimes when you ask a question, I just don't know the answer to that. That doesn't mean that God doesn't exist or that God doesn't have a reason for allowing this. All that means is that I have like some kind of gap in my knowledge that either can or can't be filled, and so that doesn't have anything to do with God's existence ontologically.
0: Yeah, I got another question for you, Cameron. Um, I want to just, to, just, to cl- just to make
2: one thing real quick. No, I, I want to um, just so people know too, he's not arguing from ignorance because that's not saying we don't know, therefore God has a reason. That's not it. He's arguing for um, our limited cognitive faculties, which is similar to what I argued to in the, the video that came out today. So,
0: all right, sorry, go ahead. Woop, woop. <laughs> all right, so this is from P or not P, and this is for Cameron. And they can't decide if they're going to go to the bathroom or not today. Um, it's, I'm kidding. It's, that's not what it is. Okay. It's about omnipotence. And the question is, given God is omnipotent or um, can God bring about a state of affairs that is less than perfect?
1: Can he bring about a state of affairs that is less than perfect? Uh, depends on what you mean by perfect, I would say. But I would I would say in general, yes, because we're looking at these goods and like, Are these good state of affairs perfect? I don't know that I would call them perfect. I'm talking about like going back to this argument from the problem of evil. And we're looking at these goods like forgiveness and courage. And it's not just like, this is a clarification that I think is important to make is that it's not just about like having a good character. It's about like actually doing the act of forgiveness. And so these, this, that state of affairs is what's so great about there's, well, the, the the whole idea is that it's an actual act. It's not just like some kind of dispensation that you have or, or of your character. It's it's more like this thing actually happens in the world. And so I would say that God has every reason to create a state of affairs or bring about a state of affairs that exemplifies a great good like that. Mm-hmm.
0: Especially given that the state of affairs is constantly changing. And so there's, an, there's a future to be considering when you're asking questions about the present. And that... I think that that's important, but um but I don't see why God's omnipotence would mean he can't like make things that are imperfect um that i don't I don't see how that follows God's really powerful, so he can't make a car that doesn't work or something I think what they're yeah. saying
2: I think they're arguing from a satity too like they're they're saying pretty much if um how do you get imperfection from perfection i I think that's basically the argument that they're making almost like the Catholic argument in the mm-hmm. way where it comes to to Mary. Um, having to be, um, you know, sinless, so that way she could give birth to a sinless Jesus. I, I, I'm assuming that's the argument I'm talking about.
1: Yeah. So I I like to distinguish between. So God is a perfect being, but that's a different question of like the actual value in the world. And so there are still other things that can be valuable. That doesn't mean like God is a perfect being. He's the most valuable being, but that doesn't mean that there are no other valuable state of affairs that would be worth bringing about.
0: Well, it, 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 if you draw it to its conclusion, it's almost like saying, "How can God make anything other than God?"
1: Yeah, you know? and this is actually, and, and I'm an like, argu- well, if yeah. he has power
0: to make anything. Then he has the power to make something other than himself. But anyway, I want to move on to another question because so, we got more than we're going to be able to actually answer tonight. Um, this is uh, from the Messenger reveals. It says, "How can God create mankind to have dominion and rule over the earth, and then constantly interfere with that dominion?" Well, you guys have kids, so why don't you answer this question? <laughs>
1: I don't know what that means. What I don't is he what yeah. Um what does he as mean though he is, is though God is taking
0: a, taking away our dominion because he interferes. Except I, I think that you know you give your kids the the right to do something or to be the boss of something, yet you will still intervene on occasion because they're abusing that right or doing something not according to how you want them to do it. Okay. I, I think that that's
2: yeah, I, I guess, guess I don't oh, I, yeah, I don't that, really know what he means by when he's talking, when he's speaking specifically about God intervening, I, I don't know what he's referring to. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we, he, could, he could kill somebody cause he doesn't want them around anymore. I think he has the, but he has the right to do that. He doesn't give us dominion over him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would just have to ask for clarification and that's, that, that's the unfortunate thing about this is that we can't yeah. like, it's not necessarily back and forth, but
0: yeah, yeah. true true. So unfortunately, it's the limits of, of our uh, situation. I have not heard anything about him at Meta joining us. I don't think that's going to happen today. We're going to be ending pretty soon here actually. So I'll take a couple more questions and we're going to probably call it a night. And you guys can look, our, our next video comes out tomorrow at, uh, I think it's 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What is it your time, John? Like 2 p.m.? Uh, 1 p.m. Mountain Time. 1 p.m. Mountain Time. No. And um, Okay, so this is from um, hold on. Utopia Buster 2017. Um and the question is would you guys be interested in discussing a syllogism showing that skepticism is incoherent oh okay well sure um uh, but i don't I, this is the back and forth problem like <laughs> don't know that syllogism so we can't really quite look at it um uh but i'd be interested in in hearing it uh, the next one's from nick j it says a question for capturing christianity have you seen apologias series on the resurrection if so what are your thoughts on it who Apologia um Apologia is a guy named Paul who does counter apologetics online. He he primarily his his he's a, a, a I think he calls himself an atheist, I'm pretty sure. Um forgive me if I'm wrong there. But Apologia his that's the name of his YouTube channel. Okay. He primarily makes fun of Ken Ham. Um, but he also does other stuff and um and, and I had a debate with him on the evidence for the resurrection uh, on the non sequitur show a little while ago. How did so, that go? Um, I thought it went pretty good. Um, yeah, I thought it. I thought it went well. I was pretty happy about it. Um,
1: you look pretty smug. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, you know, <laughs> it just so happens that Jesus did rise from the dead, so that makes my job easier. <laughs> um, uh, and there's and there's evidence for it that's pretty uh, pretty compelling, in my opinion. So, yeah. um, but yeah, anyways, so I-, I guess you haven't. You obviously haven't seen this series. I don't. Yeah, did you, did I don't know, know who he on? is. John, have you seen any of Apologia's stuff on the um, uh, nope. Resurrection?
1: Nope. So here's what here's what I'll say. What's this guy's name? Utopia?
0: Paul? Oh, the, the yeah, Utopia Buster, Utopia Utop- Buster. Utopia,
1: Utopia Buster. If you have like, if there's a if in one of these videos, there's like a problem or like a, an objection that you came across that you're like, I don't really know how to respond to this, then follow us on Facebook and message us. We have like a few different people that answer these types of questions. And so if you want, like if you need help with answering an objection, then definitely take advantage of that. So go to our Facebook page, Capturing Christianity, like us as well. But then that that's the like, that's what I'm trying to point out here is that we have a team of guys that basically help answer questions. So if there's something that's like pressing on your mind, there's really no response to it. Or if a scholar has responded in in some way, then then uh, reach out to us.
0: Nice. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So I, I I did some stuff on just recently on the empty tomb. I did a video on sort of like lines of reason to think that the tomb, the empty tomb is historical to use, be able to use that in a case for the resurrection. I think that I responded to at least some of the things that Paulo G had said in his content before and it's, here's, I'll give you an example. Um, he says that um uh, that evidence against the empty tomb and for a, um, a simply mass burial, Jesus was thrown into some big public grave, is that the Romans had a standard that they would, sh- they would not allow an honorable burial for a, uh, a person who was put up on the cross. Um, and he quotes Josephus to support this, yet it's Josephus that tells us that the Romans would specifically make an exception for the Jews on that exact issue. Josephus tells us that they would normally allow the Jews to take their bodies down before the sun went down that day because that's Jewish tradition. And the whole idea here is to keep rebellion from happening. And they, they knew with the Jews that if you violate this, that it might cause more rebellion. So Josephus tells us the opposite of this. And then we even have um, uh, ossuaries we found from the first century where crucified victims were honorably buried and put into ossuaries, not in public graves. So we have two good evidential reasons to think that that's not true. And I think Paul O'Gee's content is not... Um, uh,
1: yeah people can look that up. There's a guy named Yoho Hanan, I think that was his name back yeah. in the first century and you can actually see like the the nail that's still stuck in his heel bone, which yeah. also I think refutes the swoon theory too, because I mean how are you going to be like convincing somebody that you're the risen lord with a a nail through your heel bone <laughs> anyways, think about that i'll let yeah, I'll let that one sink in
0: yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So here's the thing. Uh, I just want you guys, before we close out, I want you to share, um, the goal that you have at least right now for your YouTube channel, uh, in particular, um, uh, since this is, we're on YouTube right now. Um, so John, I'm asking you to go first, like, what is it that you want to accomplish your, your highest hopes for the stuff you're producing online? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> when I started my channel, I wanted to try to do,
2: to counter kind of these more, um, things that sound really good on the surface, these, um, because I understand the emotional weight that they have. And so, um, because of that, like, I wanted to kind of counter that and kind of give a a good rebuttal with it too, to kind of like, you know, kind of in in some cases too, like I'll, I'll match the snarkiness and then I'll get into the content that I feel like they're not going to be able to provide because I think Christianity is true, of course. Right. So, um, so I, I, I want to try to, do something a little bit too that's going to reach younger people too and more of the youth because like like I, like i said too like i have a background in philosophy and stuff like that but i don't want to use all that because i want to reach a younger audience and people that are kind of more lay and i wanted to make sense i wanted to make sense of them in terms of the whole human so you know the full mind and the you know what i mean and and um, your emotions like the full human because i think that's what christianity really is it's not just about you know knowing god with your mind or knowing him with just your emotions or any or just knowing Him am part of your group it's it's really all of it you know the full human so so that's my goal um i pray i mean if if i'm not reaching people not making a difference then i wouldn't want to keep up doing it you know so i just pray that i um, um god will use the videos in some way to to reach people awesome
0: yeah and uh his channel is linked in the video description here. I encourage you guys to check it out. And then uh, Cameron, why don't you tell us what your, your high hopes are for the stuff you're producing online?
1: Yeah. So the tagline of capturing Christianity is exposing the intellectual side of Christian belief. And one of the reasons why I'm doing this is because when I first learned about my brother's atheism, when I started to look into like the evidence for and against Christianity, I thought that it was going to be mostly faith based. I thought like, you just believed in Christianity on faith, you didn't have any arguments or evidence that could support Christianity. And what I actually found just like completely blew me away. I didn't know that that article, for instance, that I told you guys about earlier from Tim McGrew, I didn't have any clue that something like that existed. And so my goal now is to expose this stuff to the Christian community. Like I want other Christians to realize that Christianity can be defended at a level that is so deep, so deep. You don't have to be afraid of talking with atheists. There are really, really good arguments and evidence for Christianity. And so that's my goal with with our ministry is to expose the intellectual side of Christian belief, because I think that in culture, it's sort sort of like opposite. And that's what I believed when I first started to like look into it. I thought that like, atheism had all the arguments and all the intellectual stuff and now that i've looked into it i've realized that hey christianity is like at the very top here it's not like atheism has no upper foot here that's not a that's not a phrase but atheism has no upper foot inter- we all yeah. upper foot they have Just no upper, upper foot. foot
0: we know what you're talking about
1: <laughs> they have no intellectual high ground yeah know. and so yeah, that's they- that's what i want to do with with my ministry and what we're doing is is to expose the intellectual side of christian belief
0: awesome so i encourage you guys to check those out especially if if the things that they just shared excited you then that might be the channel for you to start looking at and and checking out their content and if we could end with like a message to end this video now i want each of us to share a quick message for the skeptic or the atheist that may have really stuck all the way through and is still with us right now Uh, what would you guys say to them and we'll start with john
2: yeah um i'd say like You know like uh, and i like to just be funny and stuff a lot of time but but to be honest like i do get it i do understand um a lot of the um why you know you'll, you'll kind of find some of these objections and stuff um compelling but um a big thing in my life was to learn to kind of separate between um what I thought was true psychologically and then logically, you know what I mean? Like emotionally and logically um, and fallacies kind of work that way, too. They The conclusion seems to follow psychologically, but not logically, you know. And so um, I, I just want to say I get it. Um, and I, I just like I, I want you to know that like genuinely like the gospel has so much explanatory power and it's the only thing that really makes sense of this world and it it really can change your life. And I know that just sounds like another slogan that you hear in church and everywhere else, but, um, hopefully, You'll you'll just try to look at these things from you know from another perspective, and that's hard for all of us to do, of course. But just try to look from another perspective, and then kind of understand what we're saying, and not just to try to just argue, you know, but really try to uh, weigh it out as honestly as possible. And that's hard for all of us to do because we have bias, but um, it's something I try to do the best I can, and so just hope that we all do.
1: Yeah, and I just want to encourage skeptics that the dialogue between Christians and non-Christians doesn't have to be combative. Like we don't have to be at each other's throats through like mocking each other, ridiculing each other. We don't have to do that at all. Like we can try to actually progress and have productive conversations without all the mocking and all the ridicule and the name calling. Like we don't have to go there. And also I would say that atheists like really take philosophy seriously. Cause I mean, one thing that you'll find is that the best arguments for atheism are put forth by atheist philosophers. And so if you want to like, find out what the best reasons are for atheism, then you're going to have to at least get into some of the philosophy by atheist philosophers of religion. And so I would just say that like, yeah, really, really take philosophy seriously. Don't be, don't settle with guys like Richard Dawkins or Christopher Hitchens or, or really any of these popular atheists, like actually look at the really good philosophically rigorous type thinkers like Paul Draper is a really good one. Graham Oppie, I've had him on our channel debating Christians and he's like the most brilliant atheist alive. Who else? There's John Schellenberg. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys out there who are really good philosophers who defend atheism. And I would say that like... Those are the people that you should be idolizing. don't idolize guys like Richard Dawkins who say things like you know we should just ridicule and mock everybody so that that's what I would say to you guys is that we can we don't have to like have this tribal system where it's like we're all in this camp and you're all you're all in this camp and it's like a war between between us it doesn't have to be that way at all.
0: What would you give as a name a couple names of uh, Christian philosophers that are kind of along those same lines that you'd recommend they also check out?
1: the most brilliant christian philosophers man there's a very long list here so richard swinburne is probably the most important christian philosopher of our time i would say in in terms of like giving arguments for christianity not not only for god's existence but also for christianity so richard swinburne he has a book called the existence of god that's a really great book he has a more easy to read version called is there a God? And it's basically just the abridged version of of that one. So I would say buy that book. And he also has a book called The Resurrection of God Incarnate where he argues for the resurrection. And he talks about a lot of stuff that most people don't talk about, but needs to be talked about in terms of like giving an argument. So Richard Swinburne is probably one of the, the most, I mean, he scares atheists, like atheist philosophers. He scares them. Like literally when they, I've seen videos of him responding to some atheist, gave an argument and he got up and the guy was like, look really uncomfortable up there so there's richard swinburne is a good one alvin Plantinga is another good one um i'm trying to william lane craig he's a, he's more known for his like apologetic stuff but he's he's actually a really good christian philosopher too and he's william lane craig if you don't know who he is then you need to look him up like immediately he has a lot of great books but he also has debated like every atheist alive and in 99.99 percent of them he's won the debate
2: so right. I say, yeah, and, and people just the, on, online, they just kind of give sweeping hand statements like, oh, Craig commits these fallacies, which just isn't true. The guy has two PhDs. He's published in countless journals like he knows what he's talking about, you know, and uh, when people give these kind of one liners, they're like, oh, he's committing all this fallacy and this fallacy. They, they probably just don't understand the fallacy most of the time, too. But Craig is. Yeah, Craig's
0: awesome. Can I add um, there is there is a YouTube channel, an atheist YouTube channel called um, Rationality Rules. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's yeah. not rational. Yeah. It's, I I and a, it's a, it's a matter of time. Yeah. We're coming for you, buddy. <laughs> 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 How not are you personally, <laughs> but we're definitely coming for your rationality cuz it's not rational and the stuff that he calls
1: circular reasoning is just weird. Let me but, plug um, let me plug one more guy. Deeper. Let me try let me plug one more guy. Dr. Josh Rasmussen. He's become actually a really great friend of mine. He's the guy that I said we did a four-part series together on our podcast but he has a website and he has some really cool stuff online. So check out his work too. He's one of the most brilliant people I've ever come in contact with. So, yeah.
0: yeah. And if I could share something, I would say, Hey, um, uh, a lot of Christians like myself, we, when we dug in, like, just like Cameron was saying about his own experience, when we dug into like, look for the evidence and the reasons the people around us didn't know any of those things. So we weren't aware of those things that were even there. Right. As we dug in, we were like, wait a minute this is robust, this is thoughtful, but they, they had had such experiences with God that they felt no need for these things. So they didn't really dig into it or whatever. Um, but, but some of us felt like we had to do that. I was one of those guys, right? And i still am one of those guys. I, w- I want to dig in. I want to understand it deeply. I was blown away at how good the evidence for Christianity was. And when I engage with skeptics and non-Christians, they often think that that evidence just doesn't exist. So they don't stop and listen to it carefully enough to think about it. So my encouragement is just to think about it, think about it because Christianity is true Um, because Jesus really did die on the cross for your sins, because there is a God who loves you who cares about you. And this, this life isn't just this natural, natural materialistic purposeless thing. Um, And that's a, that's, it's not just beautiful. It's factual. And that, that's exciting. That's really exciting to me. So um, thank you guys for sticking with us. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you guys being here and um, God bless you all. I'll be putting up, we'll be putting up, I guess our next video in the series tomorrow, and then you'll get one every single day um, until we have all 20 of them out. Playlist is in the description. So thanks guys for joining me. Anything you want to say? I can't get one of you guys to like, maybe John can say, what do you mean for everybody?
1: (sighs) What do you mean?